Well, welcome to Local Matters. We are talking today to Dr. Barbara Fleming. Uh, Dr. Fleming is a retired medical doctor, uh, also has a Ph.D., and is a member of the Tennessee Tech Board of Regents, and just as importantly, she's a Tennessee Tech graduate. Barbara, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here today, and it's great to be here today and talk to you about a university we both care about that you've contributed so much to. And I, I don't know if I've said thank you before, so if I haven't, this is the first one, and if not, it should be one of many. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. That, that's, <laughs> You're welcome. That's good. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Well, I'm a Tennessean, born in Smithville, and I say all my relatives are now buried there, and they are, but grew up in Shelbyville, went to Tennessee Tech, and I can tell you why, or the, the story I told the governor, or I can tell you the real reason, but at any rate, it was a great choice, majored in biology, met my husband there, Jim, wonderful, wonderful man. From there, we went to Auburn and got our master's, and then we went to Cornell and got PhDs. Then I did a postdoc at NIH kind of fell in love with the clinical research that I did there and decided to go back to medical school. So I did that, University of Maryland, then uh, trained in internal medicine at Hopkins and uh, University of Maryland. So I like school, as someone once said. Yes, you do. It's been a long time, but I'll tell you the interesting thing about that, and then a sentence or two about what I did after that. There was never a time when either Jim or I said, boy, if we'd only gotten a better undergraduate education. The, uh, the education that we got at Tech stood us in good stead through all of that. Right. So we've never regretted for one minute that we went there. But then I had a very varied career, did some academic medicine, did some administrative medicine, always stayed connected to medicine and always practiced during that time at Walter Reed, and I loved it. So anyway, long history, many years in D.C., Jim's job got transferred back here, and we've been back uh, about nine years now and absolutely love it. So well, that's, that's the great. story. And, and you mentioned a couple of things in there that um, I want to be sure folks picked up. One is Walter Reed. I mean, you served our country in a lot of ways, but well, that is a, uh, a, a national landmark of a medical center that oh, you were at there. It's fantastic. And, the, you know, Walter Reed, the historical Walter Reed's closed. All of Walter Reed is now moved to Bethesda. Okay, I got to tell you a funny story. When that was happening, it's really kind of sad because, you know, Eisenhower was at Walter Reed about 10 months when he had that last heart attack. Pershing was there. So much history. They're going to try to save that history. But the units are moved. And so the story goes that they wanted to, the Army wanted to make sure that at the Bethesda Naval Medical Center that the name Walter Reed was incorporated. Supposedly, one of the admirals said, oh, no, that is never going to happen. That'll happen over my dead body. And the general said, we're Army. We can make that happen. So anyway, that's one of my favorite Walter Reed stories. But I, I was very, very honored to practice there and take care of our, our military retirees and active duty. And you also mentioned a postdoc, a postdoctoral fellowship right. experience. Uh, so that's something after you've gotten your doctor's degree uh, that is offered to a special group of people to get some advanced study mm-hmm. beyond that. So right. what was your postdoc? work in? It, I worked on uh, nutrition and aging. I was at the National Institute of Aging. My PhD was actually nutritional biochemistry. My master's was nutrition. So I was really always interested in how the the implications of that for human health. And I think that's how it just sort of naturally 
became an interest in medicine. So, Well, that's great. And Governor Haslam then saw all that skill set that you had and that great experience. And uh, between the governor and President Oldham, they invited you to come back and be part of the Board of Regents at, at Tennessee Tech University. Uh, tell us what the Board of Regents does. That's a fairly new organization at Tech. Well, it is. And as you know, the FOCUS Act, and I'm not sure when that was passed, but the governor supported it, proposed it, and legislature passed it, really separated the board that you worked with, the Tennessee Board of Regents, which was for all the universities in Tennessee, into local governing boards. And the thought was that when you have 49 trustees and they're working on all the universities, tech might get two minutes. So the hope was that by bringing the governing boards to a local board and having much more contact with the university, that it would be helpful to the university in getting programs through, the speed at which programs go through. And so I think that was the impetus. And it lets them focus on the mission mm -hmm. of that university. That's it. But the interesting thing to me, and I'll tell you, Two, uh, give you two stories. First, I wanted to pull the um, from the Focus Act. The Focus Act actually says, oh, I should say, by the way, I cannot speak for the board. Only the chairman of the board speaks for the board. We have to uh, make sure that's really clear. So <laughs> the opinion, what is it they say? The opinions expressed herein are, are strictly mine. Certainly they your are, own. They are yes. not the board's. But the authority of the board, and this is from the Focus Act, is the management and governance of TTU is vested in the Board of Trustees subject only to statutory limitations. It's pretty, um, I would say, frightening. That was my yeah. first response. So I add, I'll tell you, I asked the governor when we had a couple of conversations about this. I said, well, what exactly uh, does the board do? And he said, uh, or is the board responsible for? And he said, well, pretty much everything. That was not good. He said, for example, you hire and fire the president. He said, but you cannot touch the football coach. <laughs> so I thought, well, all right. So anyway, so what I think, and again, it's my personal thing, is I think that the board is responsible for the integrity of the university. Yeah, well said. Whether it's the financial integrity, whether it's the academic integrity. I think that is, to me, almost the sacred trust of the board. Uh, that's that's well said, and and the joke about the football coach is a good one too. I can personally testify that presidents and and athletic directors, if they're doing their job, will uh, will take care of the coaching on the campus, and and uh, that should not be something that ever had to bubble up to a board of regents. Occasionally, it does across the United States, yeah. but. Uh, the governor's right. There's no need for that <laughs> That's right. at, at that level. Well, you know, the board's not to micromanage anyway. The board is really sort of uh, a higher level oversight. It's a policy-focused so, yeah, organization, yeah. and, and it, it should be. Well, you, uh, you, you chair one of the subcommittees of the board. Tell us about that a little bit. I do. Okay. Well, when I was asked to chair a committee, I said, okay, well, well what committee? Okay, this is a university, right? I chair the Committee on Academics research, student affairs, athletics, and advancement. There's not much else left. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> but fortunately, audit and finance is not not our committee's work. So we get to do really fun things like the faculty proposed a college of fine arts, splitting off from education. 
Uh, they thought that was a real plus for tech. We thought it was a real plus for tech. So as an example, uh, with that going through the old board structure, TBR, you know, that could have taken a long time. It took them one board meeting. We said, sounds like a great idea. There was some back and forth, you know, questioning from my committee before the board meeting just to get things pinned down. We wanted to be sure, for example, that our students had career options. Once they went through the programs, we wanted to make sure that the college had thought through growth opportunities and they had. So it just worked out really well. And it's um, you're right, that would have taken uh, much, much longer for Mm -hmm. the entire statewide system. Uh, But as you know, a lot of homework is done before it ever came oh, up to your level. Absolutely. To, and so they've done a lot of work to to think about that new college, and and I think it's absolutely a great new uh, new venture for Tennessee Tech. So. It is. We have a, a tremendous faculty. I mean, I think that's you know I've talked about the strengths of Tech, and I think we just got an incredible faculty. Just incredible. And yes, it had gone through several committees, it had gone through sort of procedural committees, it had gone through content, for the lack right. of a better word, committees. They had nailed it down. They knew. And there's the growth area is digital graphics. And they had worked on a, um, uh, at one point, uh, trying to do a business, uh, a business and music degree. So they really were thinking through all the questions that the board had, had been thought through. So that makes our work easy. Well, this is Local Matters, and we are talking to Dr. Barbara Fleming, a member of the Tennessee Tech Board of Regents. Barbara, I understand a, uh, the university has just announced the selection of a new provost. Oh, Tell yes, us about yes. the new provost. The new provost is absolutely wonderful, Dr. Lori Bruce. She happens to be an engineer, although I will tell you we had a really extensive, um, extensive intensive, exhaustive process we had 69 applicants for that position and more than half of them would have been much better than good got down to five wonderful folks she was selected i think this is a good time to say too we've been extremely lucky to have dr mark stevens step in in the interim position and he has done a phenomenal job absolutely love him tremendous integrity super super guy but I think Lori will be a good person for us moving forward. She's a civil, uh, sorry, computer and electrical engineer. I never know what those people do. But I don't know what she does, but that's what she is. She's at Mississippi State. She's actually uh, holds an endowed chair there. She's vice president for research, and she's dean of the graduate school. Lots of research, lots of innovation, uh, has developed a lot of online programs, incredible interpersonal skills. So she is just a superstar and faculty loved her students loved her administrative folks loved her she's going to be a real winner for us and i think she comes uh, in a couple of months well she's stepping into a really important role the uh, the provost chief operating officer for the campus and the uh, at one time was called the dean of faculties also so she's got a very broad portfolio of responsibility at one of the very top-ranked universities in this state. So yep. she's got a lot of a tradition of excellence to maintain at, yes. at Tech, and her credentials certainly make her well-prepared to do that. I think so, too. You're going to love her. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Barbara Fleming, and we'll be back in a minute. This is Local Matters, and we are talking to Dr. Barbara Fleming. Barbara, you're a member of the Tennessee Tech Board of Regents. So what are some of the challenges facing higher education in general, and Tennessee Tech 
in particular in today's environment? Well, first of all, remember, I do not speak for the board. So these are just we understand is, is that. my perspective. Um, but I think you really are right. The, the challenges that tech faces, and there are many, but they're really the same challenges that higher education faces. And they're very real, and they're very real if we want to grow. And very honestly, they're very real if we want to survive because the whole world of higher education is changing. So in thinking about them, the first thing that comes to mind really is budget, and that's true for everybody. And I know you're president from 2000 to 2012, and I don't know, in 2000, what percent of money was from the state? Yeah, and it's declined every year in that period. I remember times when the state was contributing 40 percent, 45 percent of the budget. And, uh, in the 20s now. Yeah, that so. that percent has gone down uh, pretty much across the nation, but mm-hmm. certainly here in Tennessee in the mm-hmm. last uh, uh, the last 20 years. And I would I would bet, I don't know, but I would bet across the nation. So that's the big one. Not only is state funding funding declining, but grant money. So in the past, universities could say, well, you know, let's get a push going for grants, but that's declining. There's another challenge that we're facing, and again, everybody's facing it because the growth in high school seniors in the nation is about 2%. Every college will be competing for that pool. So that's going to be fierce competition, and if universities want to grow, that's not the growth pool. It's the adult learner. Well said. So tech has got to reshape the way we think about when we have classes, when administrative offices are open, how much online learning we do. And that's, again, that's facing everybody. And the folks that get there first are the ones more likely to succeed. So I think those are two big ones, diversity recruiting. We're about 18% non-Caucasian, but we have a Hispanic population that's our major group in this area that we could probably do better with, and African-Americans as well, so diversity recruiting. And as we look at increasing enrollment in all of those groups, maintaining quality while really revving up to meet new needs is going to be a major one. Now, here's another one that I think is important, and I think it's important because it's a little bit new in some ways for tech, but all the major universities have realized that collaboration, whether it's collaboration with industry or business or government, is critical to success. And it can be done really well to benefit both the university and society in general. So I think that's an area we're going to have to develop. And that's an important area for economic development oh, in this whole region that uh, absolutely. the university and all of the other higher education affiliates uh, are in good partnership. And certainly here in the Upper Cumberland, the, the recent uh, recruiting of SAIC, an information technology company, couldn't have happened without Tennessee Tech's really active participation in their Absolutely. their degree programs and everything else. Absolutely. And the benefit is really to the community. As we have those high-paying jobs, that tax base, school support, all of that. So I think that's really important. We're really lucky in this area that we have tech working so well with the community, with the chamber, with the county executives, with the city. It's it's kind of a it's a dream. I don't think most places have that, but that's something that we've got to realize is how we're going to succeed. Now, 
Another challenge that tech is struggling with, and I suspect you struggle, struggled with it too, one of the blessings we've got is diversity in terms of programs, but how do you build an identity? You can't just say, we've got a lot of great stuff here. So tech is definitely a STEM, and that's science, technology, engineering, and math. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. We are a STEM university. That's our, that's our strength. That's where we have the most students. But I will tell you something, without music, without art, without all of the other wonderful programs that we've got, we would not be producing graduates really prepared to have rich, full lives. So I think that's important, and it's a little bit of a balance of a struggle with balance. But. It's it's always a challenge, and especially when you become, uh, when you move from a college to a university, mm-hmm. which happened at Tech in mm-hmm. the 1960s, uh, that migration began to take place. And, and again, at a university level, you, you are supposedly offering a universe mm-hmm. of options mm-hmm. for um, for student career choices and uh, to prepare good citizens. So, uh, yeah, we are, our mission statement puts us as a STEM campus, um, but there's also a special commitment to the Upper Cumberland region. And that College of Education at Tennessee Tech has uh, many years been the largest undergraduate program there. And so we do a great deal more than STEM, too. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, School of Nursing, and I don't think somebody told me once that, that that I'm not in a STEM career, you know, that medicine and nursing are not considered STEM. Well, I was very offended, but I got over it. But uh, if Science you, is right in the middle I, of everything they I, do. I know. But if you think of how important our School of Nursing is to the Upper Cumberland, which brings me to what I think of as the next challenge. And it's sort of, as you described, going from a college to a university. You know, tech started out, um, really, it was very clear that our commitment was to the Upper Cumberland. Those were kind of the boundaries. You know, we serve the Upper Cumberland. As we become a regional university, we have to be sure that our core mission is we still serve the Upper Cumberland. And then develop as a regional university as well, because personal opinion, not a board opinion. If we fail to do that, I think we really have failed. Tech is so core to the Upper Cumberland. Wouldn't you agree Yeah, with that's that? one of the real challenges in the Balancing Act is mm-hmm. that commitment to the Upper Cumberland and at the same time the state's technological university. And yep. So uh, those are, are uh, not always going the same direction. You know? And I know Takes- President Oldham sees that and the governor sees Correct. that in yep. in funding challenges and in other places too uh, yep. finding that mission statement that really does serve our mission is really important mm-hmm. and one last challenge i wanted to mention and i think it's an interesting one and it's 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 a good problem to have but it is a problem and that's tennessee promise and whether those students uh who choose that two-year community college or technical college, if that takes them away from tech and the transfer students don't make up for that, then that's going to be a bit of an ongoing problem for it. It's going to be great, I hope, for Tennessee. I hope we evaluate that program somewhere down the line. But that will be a challenge for all of our four-year universities, except TSU has an associate's degree program that's funded, and so does Austin P. And that is not fair and right that it counts in the funding formula, but it is. You can, <laughs> <laughs> and it has been there a long time. And you're right. Tennessee Promise is going to create 
a new set of challenges, but tech always manages to ride through those challenges and still come out on top. So I'm I'm convinced that that President Oldham and the faculty will, we'll will find a way through. But yeah, Tennessee Promise is a great opportunity for our state and certainly the, the chance to go to a community college for free can be uh, a tremendous asset for a lot of our families that have economic challenges. Uh, and it's a great launch pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the important thing for the university, as you know, is to build those relationships with those community colleges so that that articulation between them is 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 pretty good. Well, and I know with your leadership and the others, that's going to continue to happen. Well, I think it may be even – well, thank you, first of all, for that. But I think the other thing that we've done at Tech is there's a whole group of – of students, actually, you have to be 21 to be a mentor, but students and faculty who've signed up to mentor the Tennessee Promise students, mainly because we have a commitment to this region and helping those kids who might need a little bit of a, of a, of a helping hand. But also, that's another way we can say, as you're thinking about the future, is tech part of what you're thinking about? So. Absolutely right. And uh, we are talking today with Dr. Barbara Fleming. And she is a member of the Tennessee Tech Board of Regents, and this is Local Matters. Barbara, we uh, we were talking about mentoring and, and about uh, uh, how we continue to encourage students in, in higher education. But uh, why would a parent who's listening uh, to us today think that Tennessee Tech might be the place to, to go when they want to send a son or daughter or when that son or daughter wants to choose a a uh, a great university to attend okay i I have a long list of reasons, but <laughs> the first one and I know, I know they're thinking they're laughing at me in the studio saying she's always got a long list of stuff, but yeah, but you know first of all, oh, there's I were, a great list of reasons oh, to there's, go to there tech. are there many if I were a parent. I'd be looking at things like the Money Magazine survey, and then there's a company called Smart Assets. It's the financial technology company that's surveying. Tech got, in this state, the rating as the best or value-added university in Tennessee. They beat UT. In the Money Magazine poll with publics and privates, only Vanderbilt came out ahead. Now, they looked at things like, uh, what does it cost to go? What are the living expenses? And then on the flip side, so what's the potential earning power for your student and what's the debt incurred? And there were a few other things. But so we'll talk about quality in a minute. But as a parent, I'd say, well, my kid's going to do really well going there. And 47% of tech students don't have any debt. And that is the best um, result in terms of debt in the South, not just in Tennessee. Not just in Tennessee, but in the entire South. So. Yes economically great place but beyond that um, I think we have some great programs and we have a hundred of them not only all the sort of structural things or all the numbers we have but you know this we the thing that impresses me most about our faculty but the the faculty commitment to the student is almost palpable at tech our faculty and our president really care about the students and about the success of the individual student. They do indeed. And I've heard that time and time again that mm-hmm. on this campus, I can have a cup of coffee with the faculty or I can be on an intramural team with them. 
There's a lot of great things going on at yep. Tennessee Tech. Absolutely. We've been talking to Dr. Barbara Fleming, who is the a member of the Tennessee Tech Board of Regents, uh, a Tennessee Tech alum, and an outstanding individual. Barbara, thank you for your great commitment to Tennessee Tech and for being with us here today on You're Local Matters. Welcome. You are most welcome. Thank you.